0: To Insurance Uncovered, the first property casualty insurance podcast offering perspective and insight on top issues facing industry professionals. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Kathy Inus. Today we're uncovering the future of automated vehicles. We'll tell you the questions lawmakers have for insurers as the technology continues to develop. Plus, What do football and insurance have in common? You may not think there's much, but former Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin has huddled among the best in both worlds. But first, the news. It's not even June 1st yet, the start of the official hurricane season, but the first named storm of 2018, subtropical depression Alberto, has already struck the deep south and is now heading into the Ohio Valley. At the same time, a major storm out east has caused a river near a small town in Maryland to spike almost 18 feet in just two hours. This caused record flooding for the second time in two years. Automated driving systems hold great promise to save lives and reduce crashes on the nation's highways. But as that technology evolves, fundamental regulatory changes will need to take place to adapt to a world with driverless cars. Tom Carroll, NAMIC's General Counsel Federal, recently authored a white paper about the next phase of ADS development. He explains the critical need for information and data as it relates to insurance.
1: price and provide uh, insurance policies for autonomous vehicles, basically underwrite the policies, we really need to understand much, much more in terms of what are these vehicles designed to do and how are they designed to do it? How, how automated are they? Well, when is When does the, the automated system apply the, the brakes and under what conditions? When does the automated steering uh, take over? When does it defer back to the driver? A lot of information with respect to what the uh, the automated driving system is supposed to do.
0: Carol says there isn't a lot of clarity right now for automated vehicles regarding whether it's the federal or state government's responsibility for this type of regulation. To get a better understanding of these issues, the House Financial Services Subcommittee on Housing and Insurance held a hearing last week. As NAMIC's Lauren Anderson tells us, committee members had a lot of questions about how the insurance industry will incorporate AV risks into its underwriting.
2: While automated vehicles may reduce or eliminate some risks, as recent events show, there will be crashes and new risks are likely to emerge.
3: That was Ryan Gamelgard, counsel for the Public Policy Resource Group at State Farm. He's one of two NAMIC members who participate on the association's Automated Vehicle Council and testified last week on Capitol Hill. Gamelgard told legislators that data access is key for insurers when determining liability of a crash.
2: We're seeing some real-world information that shows that some of these components actually work as advertised, but it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And everything really is contingent on being able to analyze that data.
3: But the industry has met some resistance when asking manufacturers to offer up that information. A second industry witness, American Families Vice President of Strategy Sam Garracy, told lawmakers that request should not be difficult.
2: The data we're looking for here is not proprietary information from the automaker. Uh, we're looking for the same data we would ask uh, people in today. So if you or I were in an auto crash, uh, the police might ask us. How fast were you going? Were you stopped at the stoplight? Uh, Well, the data we're looking for would be things like just that. So how fast was the vehicle going? Was it accelerating or decelerating? Uh, Were hands on the wheel? Was it it stopped when it was supposed to be? This is not uh, proprietary data nor uh, confidential um, data that's personally identifiable.
3: As the technology develops, manufacturers and tech companies will start to assume more liability for the performance of their systems. But that shift raises new concerns for insurers. In some states, there has been an attempt to create a liability exception for manufacturers in relation to unapproved modifications without defining what constitutes a modification.
2: That's a huge red flag for us. To help address that, we do try to work with standard-setting organizations like SAE to make sure that we do have a better understanding of how they're developing some of those standards so that we can offer our input as well. Because again, we want to make sure we know as much about this technology as possible.
3: Manufacturers and tech companies in the AV sector have begun to shift away from the perception that they could self-insure their liability risks and are now seeking partnerships and solutions within the insurance industry. That
0: was NAMIC's Lauren Anderson. NAMIC's Automated Vehicle Council is continuing to follow this issue closely. The council has developed a statement of principles for association members related to laws and regulations on automated cars. Later this year, Association members will have an opportunity to witness fully autonomous vehicles in action. The Future of Auto Summit takes place this October at the University of Michigan Transportation Research Institute and M-City Test Facility. We spoke with M-City's Deputy Director Carrie Morton about what Auto Summit attendees will see firsthand at the event. I think that uh, when people come to M-City, they're really amazed that they see how capable the technology is already. Uh, They're going to see multiple uh, driverless vehicles driving around inside M-City. And the interesting part is that they also talk to each other. Um, which makes them operate um, more safely and more efficiently. Um, These vehicles are able to experience everything um, that happens outside of the walls of M-City pretty much. Um, But the difference is we control the variables, which is really helpful to the researchers working in this space. So they get a glimpse of the future, basically. Be on the lookout for details regarding registration for the future of Auto Summit. That information will be available soon at NAMIC.org. The American Law Institute recently voted to approve a new restatement of the law of liability insurance. NAMIC has fought against many provisions of this controversial proposal for more than half a decade. The restatement has many good provisions, but serious problems remain where NAMIC believes that new law has been improperly created. Continuing forward, NAMIC's advocacy team will take steps to educate state authorities and work with them to ensure that state law and judicial decisions are based on precedent rather than speculation of this private group. Two-time Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin has a long list of accolades, but what you may not know about the football legend is that he also serves on the board of a mutual insurance company. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamniss talks with the former Ohio State and NFL star about his playbook for success.
1: Well, thanks for joining me today, Archie. As a football fan, I mean, it's truly an honor to meet you again. I met you once at an Ohio State game when I was there as a guest of uh, Motorist Insurance. But you are one of the all-time greats, and to have you on our podcast is just such a pleasure. You know, the two-time Heisman Trophy winner is the part of your bio that is obviously unprecedented and truly exceptional. But the part that got my eye was uh, four-time, one of only two four-time starters in the Rose Bowl. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. When you think about it,
4: you had to be on some pretty good teams.
1: Yeah, well, see, and that's what I thought about because, you know, Archie, I went to Indiana University. We haven't even been to the Rose Bowl four times. Uh, well, We've yeah. only been one time. So okay. to think that you not only were there, I mean, that Ohio State was there four times, that they were four years, consecutive years, right. clearly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that you started every single Rose Bowl game. Yeah. Uh, when you were an undergrad is just exceptional. Well, you know,
4: I, I, I always think, I, I think about that a lot, as a matter of fact, and I think how fortunate uh, I was uh, because I really was on some really good teams. And I, and I think place, you know, plays a part in that, being in the right place at the right time with the right people, and all that uh, happened for me in my case. Uh, I was playing for Coach Woody Hayes, who was a great football coach, uh, but we had some talented uh, Offensive lineman that did a great job of opening up holes and a talented backfield with, uh, in my case, uh, uh, Big Pete Johnson and Brian Bashnagel uh, and, and Cornelius Green at, at quarterback. Yeah, uh, you know, we 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 were loaded with talent at that time, yep. and, and we're fortunate enough that the Big Ten changed the rule uh, where you could go to the Rose Bowl uh, more than one year in a row. Because yep. at one point, as a matter of fact, before I got to Ohio State. Uh, you couldn't go to the, to the Rose Bowl two years in a row. Uh, if you won a championship again, they would send a second-place team. But 1972 was the year that they changed that where if you were the champion, you could go to the Rose Bowl. So that's what happened to so us. We were four years uh, champion or co-champions.
1: Well, plus that was the first year that freshmen could play. The first year And freshmen so exactly. prior to that, you couldn't have started right. four well, years yeah, in a That's exactly so right. A little luck involved. But you mentioned <laughs> Coach uh, Woody Hayes. He described you this way. He's a better young man than he is a football player, and he's the best football player I've ever seen. Now, that is high praise coming from a legendary coach, Coach Hayes. He was
4: too kind.
3: Yeah, well,
1: and I know you've got he some things kind. to say about him. Yeah, but, yeah he you was pretty special. What, what about, you know, what What did you learn uh, playing football that helped you succeed as uh, a person, as a business executive, uh, you know, in life? Well, the, the hard work more than anything, you know, the, the
4: perseverance, the uh, but the main thing is is the getting up after being knocked down because I don't care what sport you play, you know, you're not going to uh, go through uh, being undefeated forever. Uh, you're going to get beat. And uh, the challenge is, is, is getting up after you've had that defeat. And Woody was great at, at, at doing that and, and, and making us understand how important it was uh, to do that. But one of the other things that I learned from him that's really helped me throughout my life uh, is uh, his mantra that he really preached, and that is paying forward. Mm-hmm. And you know, you hear a lot of people talk about that uh, today. You know, they had the movie Pay It Forward, and and uh, you hear people talking about paying forward a lot. But back in the 70s, we heard it every day uh, from Woody Hayes. He got it from Ralph Waldo Emerson's uh, essay on compensation, where he said, You never pay back the good things that people may have done for you, but you can always pay for it by helping somebody else. And 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 would he just preach that to us? And not only did he preach it, he did it. Uh, he always uh, would encourage us to uh, get involved uh, in, 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 in charitable organizations uh, that were doing good things uh, in the community. Always uh, did that. To, told us about it and wanted us to do it. Uh, especially had a love for young people and 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 making sure that uh, you know. Kids take the opportunity uh, to get a college education, and he wanted to make sure that we did our part in encouraging them to to go to college. I mean, he was just a very special person that way.
1: What is it about uh, football in Ohio? My uh, (laughs) my father-in-law, names Nunzio Polichin, died a few years ago, but he was a head football coach at Ravenna High School up in uh, northeastern Ohio. Played for Kent State, Um, but you know, obviously, you're from Central Ohio played for Ohio State. You know, we just heard our chairman uh, talking about Texas, Texas football, yeah. and mm-hmm. obviously Texas has got a claim uh, on the sport, but what is it about Ohio and football? Well, I, you know, I, I
4: think it goes to Little League. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of great uh, you know, Little League programs throughout the state of Ohio, but then you get to the high school. I mean, high school football in Ohio is fabulous. Mm-hmm. It always has been. Continues to be I, my my middle son is a high school football coach at Lima Senior High School, and I love going to high school football games yes, on like Friday night. Yeah. Nothing like it. I mean, yeah. it, it really isn't anything like it. Yeah. And and I just think the the love of high school football, uh, the way that people follow it, and the impact that places like Ohio State has had mm-hmm. uh, on foot in football, uh, really makes a difference. Uh, because if you go to Ohio Stadium. I don't care what Saturday it is. It's going to be uh, full—400, people there, uh, which is an incredible uh,
1: sight to see. Mm-hmm. Well, so what's changed about football since uh, since you played Either college? And I should mention your pro career. You had a, a long career with the Cincinnati Bengals—a yeah. very successful career. Um, what's changed about the game since well, then? Well, th-
4: what's really changed now is that people are are really uh, more concerned. Uh, about the injuries Mm -hmm. Um, you hear a lot about concussions being talked about Uh, and that's serious and it's it's real uh, because football is a great sport but it's a tough tough sport and it's a dangerous sport uh, I mean, I'm glad to see that rules are being changed to, uh, to make sure that people are tackling uh, right, uh, where you're not having that head-to-head contact. I mean, sometimes you can't help it, but uh, for the most part, people are, are learning to tackle uh, in a way that you don't know, get uh, a lot of concussions. But concussions, in all honesty, is a part of the game, and some of that's going to happen. But uh, there are rules being made uh, to make sure that those things don't
1: happen. You told a story about Jack Lambert and uh, – Playing against the Steelers and uh, a forearm shot that you took, oh, and yeah. you, said, you mentioned that, that you, wasn't the only forearm. You felt shot a too. little <laughs> dazed. I think uh, dazed back then would be today's uh, time for the concussion protocol. That's exactly right. No, Let's you're go. exactly
4: right. And, 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 and quite frankly. Chuck, that happened all the time yeah I mean when, when you think about it I mean you take a, a elbow to the head and and you get that little doing mm-hmm. going on in the head mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's a concussion mm-hmm. and you didn't think about it back then but it's it's, it's a concussion and uh, the number of times that uh, you get that is is amazing I, I feel fortunate that I I feel pretty good and and uh, knowing that I've taken some of those shots but I feel pretty good and hopefully
1: it'll continue to be that way you're looking good. Well, thank you. Appreciate you're it. You're talking good. I really appreciate the comments today. So let's switch gears a little bit. This is an insurance podcast, okay. which makes it exceptional. Okay. Uh, and let's talk about insurance. I mean, yeah. you have uh, a significant career in and around our industry mm-hmm. by virtue of the fact that you've served on the board of Motorist Mutual for years. Not sure how long. I right. bet you know. A long uh,
4: time. I have. I have a long time, and I've uh, also uh, been a spokesperson uh, for Motorist and, and uh I've had family members that uh, worked in the insurance business uh, uh, for a long time. My wife uh, uh, worked at uh, Nationwide, just retired a few years ago. I had uh, my oldest brother also uh, worked as an actuary with uh, Nationwide and brother brother's accounting and with uh, Nationwide. So I've got a lot of insurance people uh, that uh, that's in the
1: family. Did your brother, uh, the actuary, play uh, sports as well? All of my brothers uh,
4: played uh, sports. As a matter of fact, all of my brothers uh, had college scholarships and played college football. Wow. And, and uh, they they all did pretty well. My oldest brother, Jim, uh, he, and he was one who was uh, in, actuarial, in actuarial sciences with, with Nationwide. He uh, uh, played at Muskingum College, small college uh, in Ohio here. Uh, the next one played at University of Louisville. Next one played at Kent State. And then I played at Ohio State, and my brother Ray after me played at Ohio State, and my brother Duncan after him played at Ohio State, and then my youngest brother played uh, at uh, Miami of Florida. Uh, he was actually on their first national championship football team back in 1983 or 4. Wow. Uh, so they all played, and uh, I had one sister. She didn't play football, but she ran track and did a pretty good job at that.
1: Wow. Well, you know, uh, we look at our industry, and trying to find the next generation of of leaders for our industry is, you know, is clearly a focus. And your brother, that was uh, an actuary, that's one skill set that we need. And This is a numbers-driven mm-hmm. industry. Law of large numbers is really uh, a fundamental precept uh, in insurance. So, I wonder between your service uh, and positions at Ohio State, mm-hmm. and then your your career at Motorist, uh as a director. Uh, how you see insurance as a future career? I mean, what kind of outlook?
4: Well, I uh, I think it's a a great career. As a matter of fact, I I think you're even finding uh, more colleges and universities uh, that are starting programs uh, in insurance, which I think is uh, absolutely uh, terrific because Mm -hmm. it is a wonderful uh, profession. Uh, So I, 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 I think the future is bright. Uh, when it comes to uh, insurance uh, and, 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 and jobs and, and the whole works. I think it's really bright.
1: We think there's a particular appeal for this uh, current generation around the mutual insurance model because of, uh, you know, it's policyholder alignment. Clearly, mm-hmm. as a director of motorists, you only have to focus on one thing, and that is doing what's right for the policyholder. You don't have to worry about... And that's huge. Yeah, And,
4: and that's that's what I think is, is, is special for, uh, about mutual companies is, you know, that's the policyholder. I mean, that's the center. Mm-hmm. That's the attention. That's who you pay your pay attention to as a policyholder. And you try to make sure that uh, uh, that person uh, is done right, especially in those uh, times of need. And, uh, and, and insurance companies are doing a good job of that.
1: So during your time on the motorist board, uh, you served with Larry Forrester, yes, who was is. my yes, predecessor as yes, NAMIC yes, yes. oh, right. uh, president. Right. <laughs> and... Uh, just a mentor to me in so many ways. Um, And we lost him too early, uh, just two years ago. But I wonder if you have any comments. I once saw a picture that uh, Larry sent me. You all must have had birthdays around the same time because (laughs) it was a birthday cake and it was uh, uh, decorated in half, one half Ohio State, Mm -hmm. one half Purdue. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it was a few years ago. But you remember uh, serving with Larry? Yeah, we used to always talk about uh, Ohio
4: State-Purdue. Yeah. And uh, he and he knew some people uh, at Purdue that I that I that I knew. I at the time I was uh, uh, president and CEO of Ohio State's Alumni Association, and he uh, knew Purdue's uh, alumni president and CEO, and and uh, so we used to have conversations about that. And we used to always wonder, "Well, when is Purdue football going to get back to uh, it's, its heyday?" Weird. Yeah, and and I think it's coming back now. So Larry would be probably pretty happy with what's happening. Uh, now with Purdue football, uh, th- th- I think he would be because he was a fun guy uh, to be around, and you're absolutely right. Uh, way too soon.
1: Yeah. Too soon. Now, now I know you're talking up Purdue because we're talking about Larry, but. Let's not overlook Indiana, because we're on a very positive track. And yeah. I was there last year. It was college game day, first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Of course, all the RVs are on 70. The stadium is <laughs> filled with red. And thank you, because we always take our promotional pictures. Is that true? That is true. Is that true? We, we take our pictures to uh, you know make sure everybody can see that all the Hoosier uh. fans in there. There might be a few Ohio State fans yeah. mixed in, but... Uh, but, but anyway, anyway we're on We're teams. on a very positive track, and we played you very tough last. year. You know, year.
4: over the last, I would say five, six years, you played us very tough, mm-hmm. very tough. I mean, a couple of those games, uh, you know, you, you you had us on the ropes. That's and right. uh, I mean, you guys couldn't uh, quite hold you there. The running back you guys mm-hmm. had, who I thought, was fabulous. Uh, plays Tevin for the Cohen. Falcons. Yeah. yeah, plays for the Falcons now. I mean, I, I think. I mean, I remember watching him run. Seventy, eighty-yard touchdowns on us. I'm thinking, my goodness, nobody's ever done this, you know, on us against like Ohio State's he, yeah, defense. Like yeah, that. and he he did it uh, a couple occasions, and and there were a couple years there that I thought, uh, hey, Indiana, uh, they could they could they could knock us off. So they've always played us tough. At least the last five six years, they played it very very
1: tough. Well, stay tuned. We'll see about this year what, what it means. <laughs> but uh, let me let me wrap up just on the uh, back on the insurance issue. Um, What's it take to be a uh, successful and good mutual insurance company director?
4: Well, I I think it takes, uh, you know, hard work, doing your homework, and and working with good people always uh, helps, and that's where I've been um, uh, very, very uh, fortunate. Uh, You know, I've worked with uh, Bob Raybold and and, and certainly uh, John Bishop and, and now Dave uh, Kaufman and Greg Burton. I mean, it's uh, it's it's great to be uh, with the team uh, mm-hmm. uh, like that. But I, I think doing your homework, uh, making sure that uh, the company is doing its best to make sure that its policyholders uh, are taken care of, because again, that is the, the center uh, of uh, the insurance company and what mutual companies should be doing.
1: Well, Archie, thank you. And uh, I just close by observing that in my career at NAMIC, I've worked with two motorist chairmen, Bob Raybold and and John Bishop, and uh, both are exceptional individuals. They they are. And Dave Kaufman and Greg Burton as well, (laughs) carrying on the next generation. Uh, So thank you for the time today. Thanks for uh, being with us on our podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And, 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 Chuck, good luck to you. Thank you.
4: On the
0: next Unscripted, Chuck talks with attorney Kevin Kinross about the number of mergers and affiliations taking place between mutuals in the past few years. They discuss what's driving this trend as well as some key factors to consider for companies thinking about making a change. And that's it for us today. Tell us what you think of our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, so shoot us an email at uncoveredatnamic.org. And don't miss our next episode of Insurance Uncovered coming up on June 13th. I'm Kathy Imus. Thanks for listening.